Hello and welcome to episode 404 of the Crate and Crowbar podcast, a podcast about games and other assorted nonsense. Uh, my name is Tom Senior and the date today is the 7th of September. I'm delighted to hate me podding again for the first time in ages uh, and also to be joined by Jamie Britton. Hey Jamie, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm uh, broadcasting from inside a sun thunderstorm in a conservatory. So if that comes through, it will just have to be, you know, sort of horror, horror radio play ambience, if that's all right with you. Yeah, I can sort of hear the soft pitter-patter of rain. It's actually quite a gentle and soothing uh, experience from my end. Um, but who knows what will happen in the, the final edit. Um, anyway, it's, it's just great to be back and talk about video games. And let's just sort of dive straight in with what we've been playing. And right before this podcast, uh, Jamie, you and I, we uh, we waged fierce war in Multiversus, which is uh, basically a kind of Smash Brothers clone uh, run by, but with, with all the licenses that Warner Brothers have. And Warner Brothers apparently owns everything <laughs> to an extent that I just didn't realize before I played this game. So we're seeing like a sort of a, a clash of different, characters from loads of different you know intellectual properties or kind of worlds uh and we're all everyone's doing battles free-to-play game it's, it's five plus million players in the first few weeks it's been a sensation like uh, so what was your uh, we've, we've both been enjoying it but i wondered like what why did you try it jamie and what's your experience been so far with it well it's you know it's it's free which is which is always good uh-huh. um yeah. and it's very kind of once you've got past the kind of layer layer of um Warner Brothers account nonsense. <laughs> like you have to sign up for a Warner Brothers account, which I didn't have already. Uh, and, you know, it's very much a kind of free to play vibe. You know, it's got the same UI and those same kind of colors that every um, kind of free game has. And it's full of kind of battle pass stuff. And you turn it on and most everything's locked down and you're, you're immediately put into a, a grind. Um, but I just heard good things about it, and it just seems so weird as well. Like, Warner Brothers aren't really... When I think of Warner Brothers, I don't really think of anyone, really. I think of a, a movie studio, uh, and probably if pressed, like, some of the sort of, um, you know, uh, cartoon, you know, the Bugs Bunny type stuff. Looney, is that Looney Tunes? They come to mind. But that is probably about as far as I get. Um so the game really shouldn't be any good, I don't think. I don't think it has any right to be any good. It's such a weird concept. It's such a strange umbrella to group together a sort of Smash-like game. But it seems to be really quite an excellent fighting game. I really enjoy it, uh, it's, uh, particularly because it's a very, very fun pickup pub game. Like You could play with strangers uh, against strangers and there's there's some kind of emotes and stuff, and there's a really fun rematch mechanic that kind of can embed a little rivalry in the, uh, a moment when you log on and sort of like you, you go uh, one round each, and you, everybody wants to finish it and decide who's who's the best. Um, I think there's actually a lot of um, smart design in the way it restricts communication, basically, and just lets uh, basically it's, it's a game that you'd let your kids play. I think. Um, and uh, uh, the <laughs> there was a kind of like a moment of despair when I first logged into the game and it asked me like what age I was and it started at 10 and went like, are you 10, 11, 12? And went <laughs> all the way up to 22. And then the, the option after that was 
22 or over and i was like no i'm so much over that (laughs) Uh, i shouldn't be playing this i'm just playing a children's game but i'm just so curious about it because of that mash uh, mashup of just weird clash of characters and how they're going to handle that and whether they sort of like felt any need at all to sort of safeguard their uh, just characters like batman um, coming up against a character like, for some reason, one of the poster characters for the game is Shaggy from Scooby Doo, um, which is very, like, I know there's been a, there's, there have been a few kind of modern movies, I think, uh, based on Scooby Doo, but like Shaggy is just, I, I don't, it's so so strange because in the, it, one of his superpowers involves him powering up and going Super Saiyan, like a Dragon Ball Z style. And I found myself thinking when I was playing as him and just kicking dudes off the stage, just, keep, just booting Batman into the sun as Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Uh, I'd be like, uh, is this canon? Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, And then I realised how stupid a question that was because one of the kind of joys of this game is that it breaks down all the walls between all of these different universes. The Marvel Universe, like we've got Wonder Woman. In, oh, no, so it's DC, not Marvel. Pardon me. So we've got like Wonder Woman, we've got Batman, Bugs Bunny, um, Shaggy, and also characters from Adventure Time, also Rick and Morty, Tom and Jerry, Velma. Velma. Yeah. the Iron Giants from uh, the Brad Bird movie. And then the, the real-life man, LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should say that the before we started, we did some uh, matches of this, and our first one was, we were, uh, who were we playing as? I've just got in my notes here. You, I was Wonder Woman, you were Shaggy. I was. And we, were, we were fighting LeBron James and Batman. <laughs> Uh, what a fantastic sentence you just said, though, that this yeah. game has, has, has enabled. Um, LeBron James, his fighting style is, uh, I found, extremely irritating to fight against <laughs> because he basically bounces a, a basketball in your face over and over again and then sort of, like, keeps you at range. Um, but it's the fact that, like, Arya Stark is in the game <laughs> from Game yeah. of Thrones. It's just... Uh, so, uh, kind of, there's something quite freeing about it because I'm like... Uh, it made me think... Does anything really mean anything anymore in terms of the various military of like game worlds or um, fictional worlds? And I think that actually, particularly fighting games and uh, graphic novels to an extent, are almost kind of weird spaces where you can cross over lots of different uh, characters and heroes with very different aesthetics and just sort of like put them together and see people like it. Um, classic thing being like obviously aliens versus predator in graphic novels and stuff like that. Uh, and we've seen just kind of, oh, Guybrush 3 turned up in um, one of those old Star Wars games. So if Monkey Island guy turned up with the lightsaber, very, very strange crossovers that happen in sort of like video game combat games. And it's almost this kind of a weird creative space that is actually so playful that I find it infectious. Like, I really, really like it, actually. <laughs> Yeah, because it runs the risk of being completely inane. I mean, Fortnite yeah. has probably done a version of this, hasn't it? Where it's just mm. like, just put in whatever you want to put in. Like, we'll make a virtue out of how inconsistent it is um, mm. and see how far we can push it. And, you know, the, I mean, I think for a lot of people, like Fortnite ends up being kind of characterless because of it, because it is, it is all games happening at once in a kind of, shared universe where you know the points are made up and nothing matters you know, yeah, these lines yeah. anyway style whereas i think um there's something about doing a, a a smash like or a smash clone and this we should say this is just super smash brothers there's mm, there's really yeah. nothing in it um you know there's 
it's a it's a free to play Super Smash Brothers, so there are perks you can add on to your character and share amongst your team and stuff like that. But pretty much everything else is is more or less um, identical. Um, but there's something about a Smash like in, in you know in and of itself, in that it's this kind of fighting game where skill isn't really the you know the name of the game. This isn't a Guilty Gear or anything yeah. like that. It's kind of the opposite of that. It's a fighting game for kids to have fun in and kind of mess around in and and it's uh, you know it's it's distinct from something like Fortnite in that it's well I don't know how it is distinct but it feels distinct <laughs> it do. feels distinct and it feels weird and it has some charm to it even though mm. as I keep saying it is really strange to play um the music is as we were noticing as we were playing it the music is really epic and over mm. the top and bombastic which just feels strange <laughs> There's loads of, that is a, a massive sort of tonal inconsistency for me. Like, I think there's a Rick and Morty stage where there's a, a grand orchestral version of the Rick and Morty theme. And that works because, I mean, this whole, like, the average fight uh, that you have in multiverses could be a Rick and Morty episode, basically, if they they were able to write Batman into their scripts. <laughs> like, they would, it would be this kind of, like, big, stupid nonsense fight that happens. Uh, but, yeah, the, 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 I think there's that point you make about, like, how it's sort of, somehow manages to cohere it, it cohere is really interesting because smash brothers is also a wild mashup of different um universes so you've got like pokemon uh fighting the Wii fit trainer <laughs> and uh, just a lot of very strange disconnects exist in those characters but i always feel like there is a general like overall nintendo style in terms of how uh characters and universes are presented particularly in a very like kid friendly way and also if not like in art style all the time like it's weird that captain falcon is fighting link but there's enough kind of like touchstones like common touchstones between all of those characters in terms of what they're trying to be to to young children that they can sit together on the screen um and but by this these rules multiverses should not work at all <laughs> because <laughs> lebron james and batman don't have an aesthetic connection <laughs> in popular fiction um i think lebron is in it because of that is there the new space jam movie or something that came out yes, i think that's right yeah yeah so that'll be the tie-in there um and then batman i think they've, they've been really smart because uh, batman's design is very much the batman animated series uh which is a fantastic uh series brilliant portrayal of batman uh, i don't know if kevin conroy voices him in this game but it's someone who sounds very much like him uh and so that kind of him standing opposite bugs bunny just about works but then there's also aria stark i don't know how it works it, how does it I, i'm puzzled i'm puzzled like <laughs> i think one of the things that um that they've taken from smash is that real sense of playfulness and attention to detail it's like kind of those mm. two things in in um in, in combination with each other where you know huge amounts of care and attention are given to them to the memes <laughs> you know mm. that surround a character right. or like obscure references um you know or you know things that the characters can do that are jokes but are also moves in the game um you know whenever they used to on one of those nintendo directs they'd introduce a new smash character there'd always be an incredibly well observed first they'd show like a kind of comedy sketch to kind of introduce them which was always yeah. really good uh, like they did that one where it was it was the um uh it was turned out to be a banjo kazooie reveal but they they fooled you with it being the dog from uh, duck hunt <laughs> beforehand and stuff like that uh so it's like uh, they would do that and then they would explain the mechanics of the character they're different for every character 
um, and they're always kind of silly, um, uh, you know, because this is, you know, that would be Super Smash Bros. And I do think one way in which this game succeeds is just someone's just put huge amounts of care and attention into animating these characters and yeah. thinking them through conceptually in making the right jokes, in like using the right sound effects. Like the Tom and Jerry, they've used all the like vintage um, sound effects from the, um, you know, Hanna-Barbera cartoons from the 1930s yeah, yeah. and 40s, which are, you know, to my mind, some of the, you know, the, the best cartoons you're ever going to see. And like to, to build on that version of Tom and Jerry is, you know, just it just tickles your heart more than if it was, you know, just flash and bang and, and crash bang wallop. I think... I think that's one thing that really makes it work is is that attention to detail and a sense of care and attention in a game, you know, that is like quite openly, let's try and grab some money from all <laughs> the various random shit we have under our massive faceless corporate banner. It definitely has his identity. And also, um, actually, the characters have some mechanical intrigue in terms of... Uh, so I, I was I spent ages running around a Shaggy trying to figure out what to do with my sandwich because i pressed a button and you pulled a sandwich out and it's like do i eat it do i throw it what's the button for these things and that's sort of like what he does and i played as, as velma for a bit and i i still don't understand how velma's stuff works um it's, it's just, uh, i think um you call you track a little record of what the games we play jamie so i wonder if you sort of like read back what our matchups were and <laughs> we probably sort of uh recall some just of the weird sort of moments and uh, abilities and st- things that happened it was really so the, the first fight number one was i was wonder woman you were shaggy and we were as oh, i was. said we were fighting lebron and batman we won that one we, we, we absolutely did. wiped the floor with them we did uh second one was a rematch on that and then we also won that one <laughs> which is quite yes good. so yes. we schooled those guys um, and that one was when you, uh, I think we were Batman and Velma, I think, was that right? Is that what he I was think I was Velma for that one, yeah. Velma, yeah. Uh, and then we had uh, Harley Quinn and I was Shaggy, and then we got our asses handed to us on that one. Yeah. That was, was when there was, everyone we'd encountered thus far had been a level one <laughs> player, so everyone was basically just um, gesturing wildly at empty space. Um <laughs> Uh, and then there was a Wonder Woman player who was level 11. Oh, no, but we won that one, didn't we? We, we did win that first one. That but, was like quite quite a desperate fight, <laughs> but we did win against a level 11 player. It was a really good fight. Uh, and then I did notice, and we both noticed this, that there's the, there's, it takes you back to sort of like the the titles to the screen the match screen basically where all, all of your characters are there and then every, everyone gets to choose whether you opt for a rematch or not and this is a really good mechanic i love this um and the wonder woman player instantly pressed the rematch <laughs> and i i felt just there there was some anger there like a little bit of or competitiveness you know it's, it's like yeah we just got beaten by a, a couple of level ones playing as <laughs> just yeah. characters they don't understand instant rematch uh, but things did get a little tricky from there <laughs> yeah well then we we both um decided to change to shaggy which felt like a <laughs> Which felt like a response to that, that you know, like, oh, you want a rematch, do you? You feel like that was a bit unfair? <laughs> How about we're both shaggy? <laughs> um, uh, and that, and that, yeah. last battle, that last battle we played was a real, like, nail-biter. You it forget how... How exciting these games can be, uh, you know, when the the their meters, you know, when a bunch of people have got charged up meters, and you know, you're a sort of one hit away from being launched off screen. And we were 
one hit away from victory, victory I think, in that one. It was really close. It went right down to the wire. So it was um, we knocked two of them out and then knocked two of us out and the next one was kind of like the match point. But we came from behind because like it's almost like we survived a match point or two just to get to that stage. And then there was this desperate scrap where you've got two shaggies who are just throwing sandwiches around, <laughs> not understanding what really is going on, uh, yeah. fighting against a, you know, a good player who's obviously put some time into the game. And it's just, it was actually really good. I actually think this is a very good game. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Uh, just cause like as a free to play level, I've, um, what they have is they've got a rotating cast of free characters. And I think, I'm not sure what the cadence is. I might rotate every week or two. Um, but whenever I sort of like log in and sort of like play 15 minutes, uh, you know, just, uh, with a podcast on or something, I've, I always have fun with this thing. Uh, and I think that's mostly down to the fact that Smash Brothers is a fun game as long as like, I've never gotten into Smash Brothers as a, a big competitive thing. I know that as we've said, there, there are sort of like pro tournaments and things like that. But to me, that, that has always been the, the perfect GameCube couch co-op game. Like it's just been a thing that anyone could log on to. Hey, you get to be Pikachu. Hey, you get to be, you know, another cute character that basically everyone recognizes. And actually the idea of that as a free to play game where they can endlessly expand this roster and they can create that same excitement around that, that Nintendo direct type excitement around, uh, around new character reveals. I think this has got lo- got legs. I think this is going to go and go. I think it's, I think it's, they're on something big here with this one. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it overtook Elden Ring, didn't it, as the sort of most yeah. played Steam game, and that's just on that platform. Yeah, right. Uh, and it's got crossplay, I think. Yes. And so, <laughs> I mean, it's funny because, you know, whenever a new Smash character is released, you always know it's going to be a video game character, right? <laughs> I don't think it's ever yes. been. Yeah. But with this, it could be fucking anyone. I mean, it's one of <laughs> it is, yeah. absolutely colossal company. Uh, I mean, uh, Sandman is one of the things they own, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? So, yeah. like, you could have... Uh, you could have a uh, Sandman himself turning up to, oh, you to brood have, and, and. You could have Cain uh, and Abel as a duo, kind of like the Ice Climbers from Smash. Like, absolutely, infinite possibilities. Like Pat, Pat and Oswald Raven. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah, gosh, just uh, I'm. I, I think it's just um, it, it's a fun thing to acknowledge. It's a new thing that is kind of like really fun uh, pickup game, kid friendly infinite opportunities for expansion and for being a thing that's worth getting into with your friends and it's something that i've just enjoyed playing even as even though i'm above 22 (laughs) in the forbidden zone for for this particular this particular one yeah that's a good one and we should uh we should do some more games because they are yeah definitely (laughs) yeah I, i need to find um i think um if I find my main uh, shaggy's pretty good actually i think shaggy's quite quite a good character uh but I, I probably will buy a character if I find one that I really like, but it's one of sort of main level up. I, I, I could see myself spending a bit of money on this one for sure. There is a fighting game channel on the uh, Crate and Crowbar Discord. Oh. I, haven't, I haven't been in there for a while, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're uh, if they're already up and running with uh, Multiversus. <laughs> yeah, if they could give me some like, um, I mean, these must exist already, but like tier lists for characters. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure YouTube will have many thousands of those now. Absolutely right. Uh, it's it's a good thing. I like it a lot. Um, I think uh, that's. I think it's much we can save for now. I, I'd like to return to it once we've kind of. I think I'll, I'll play for, play it for a few months, and there'll there'll be a point. I wonder when the free to play business model bites, 
uh, and when it, it starts to feel perhaps like unfair or as though you know there might be like a pay to win advantage or something like that i've not detected it so far i think playing it at the level i'm at i'll probably be fine for a while but i think we'll, we'll definitely keep playing it and keep an eye on it Absolutely. but um, the other big game at the moment though uh is immortality immortality uh, yeah immortality uh kind of like a there is this I guess interaction, interactive fiction game, more of a detective game um, from Sam Barlow, from uh, who created her story, and it is a fascinating thing. It's been just one of the most critically acclaimed games I've seen for years. Like across the board, like massive scores from like outlets I respect, um, and I'm really excited to play it. And I've played ninety minutes of it. So I've got like my initial impression. Uh, Jamie, I know I think you've uh, finished the game. Um, I have, yes. I mean, I've. I, I mean, I saw credits. Um, you know, the, there is a very definitive ending point, but uh, um, that is by. You know, you can like its other games. You can spend much more time uh, if you like after that point, uh, sort of squirreling out all the um, uh, bits and pieces. Um, sh- shall I talk a little bit about what the game is? Yeah. That, yeah. God, this rain is so crazy. <laughs> um, you must be able to hear that now. Yeah, but, I, but it's a nice sound. And also for immortality, I feel like, you know the ominous drumming of rain is is a good backdrop for your description of the experience. <laughs> okay, blimey! I mean, all right, I hope this recording comes out. Um, so yeah, immortality, the new game from Sam Barlow, creator of her story and Telling Lies. I think he, even though he's massively praised. I still think he's slightly underappreciated as a creative and a, a writer. I absolutely love his games. I think I love Telling Lies even more than her story. And I think it was a little bit undersold because I thought it was still, it was, you know, it was closer to the way people are talking about immortality uh, than I think people gave it credit for at the time. I found, I mean, the thing is with Telling Lies is it's a very truthful story. It doesn't take, much like big narrative leaps in the way that her story and immortality do. Uh, it's a very like real feeling story with an obvious real world inspiration. Um, and I found it like one of those experiences where I played it through in a one and I just thought about it for a good couple of days afterwards. You know, I, I kind of couldn't, couldn't get out of my head. Immortality is, as many people have said, is his most um, ambitious game yet. It is essentially the same idea, although instead of using keywords to scrub through various bits of footage, you are now um, uh, pausing uh, footage that you're being shown and going backwards and forwards through, and then you can basically click on images um, and they will t- match cut you, is the, is the language the game uses. It will match cut you to a similar or near identical image uh, somewhere else in this archive you're looking through. As the game opens up, you're introduced to this kind of, uh, uh, you know, the archive of the work of this particular actress, and you are, um, uh, you know, as soon as you start to use it, it kind of glitches out, so everything kind of disappears, um, and you're sort of stuck to piece together the story of this person uh, by using this basic mechanic. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything about this game. It's a game that really exists uh, and lives and dies on on its surprises and, and, and what it does. So I'm going to uh, not spoil anything. I'm going to talk about it generally. And when I go back and edit this, I will edit out anything that even comes close to 
spoiler because I know people are really going to enjoy finding this game out for themselves. I think it's amazing. It's an absolutely incredible game. Uh, it's it was mesmerizing. You know, I can talk generally about how the three main sources of video that you're um, looking through in this in this game are three movies: um, a kind of 1970s uh, or late 60s um, sort of boobs and blood um, kind of erotic uh, kind of uh, thriller kind of uh, movie called Ambrosia. Um, a 1970s kind of John Cassavetes uh, style, Roman Polanski almost sort of psychological uh, detective film called Minsky, and then a 1999 um, kind of post-Tarantino, late 90s Soderbergh style indie low-budget drama called um, Two of Everything. And one thing I feel I can talk very freely about is just the level of verisimilitude they have with regards to those three movies and how they are portrayed and how they look and how they sound and feel the the love the, the attention to detail um the attention to production design the attention to casting is absolutely astounding you know and if you didn't know better i would i could say you would be easily fooled into um thinking that these were genuine articles. I mean, obviously they're not, but like they look so convincing. Things like even the director of the of the first movie you're, you're doing, who's a kind of Hitchcock sort of um, clipped voice Brit, who's like, darling, you know, we must stop this sex scene. We can't see your tits properly. You know, it's that kind of vibe. And he seems just so like achingly true <laughs> and achingly real. And as does so much in here, and the supporting cast are all wonderful. It's really liberating, actually, to just talk about it as a as a sort of piece of film, as a piece of, you know, uh, as a movie almost, because it is. And I think Sam Barlow has really cracked the code in how to make interactive movies, you know, which is something people have been talking about for decades now, you know, the idea of video games as, as interactive movies. And he's maybe the only person who's ever got it close to right. Um, not not David Cage. <laughs> well, no, he is like if David. He is who David Cage wished, wished David he would Cage be. Yeah, yeah. Had any ounce of self understanding? <laughs> I was being um, sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is the person he he wishes um, he was. It is so good, and and like even the attention to detail in the '90s stuff is is spectacular because like the um, grade of the digital camera they're shooting yeah. the rehearsal sequences on is perfect. The costume is perfect. The set design, all that stuff is just an absolute glory. Um, it's a very adult game. It's full of, there's lots of nudity. Um, and sort of for the first time in a video game, it feels to a purpose. <laughs> hmm. It feels it feels like it's about something. And, you know, like I say, no spoilers, but, you know, as we're sort of looking through the the movie work of an actress, you can you can guess that there are themes about creation and what you give away of yourself and what mm. you keep for yourself back, and and how you kind of become immortal through through art and and and, and the dream of of doing that. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of won't say anything more really. Um, I I completed it quite quickly. Um, I think I probably only saw a little more than half of the material that's in the game. Um, and for me, that was fine. Like the story I had in my head was 
you know, completely, you know, absolutely not complete. Um, but I was kind of happy with that, actually. I was happy with my own subjective experience of it. And I could have gone back and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, uh, overturned everything and, and got the full story. But the game supports you just taking from it what you want to take from it. Um, and actually, it's kind of a game about that. And, you know, there was one moment kind of where I got a little bit stuck in the game and I had to sort of um, look up a guide because I just don't have uh, time these days to be stuck on a game. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was actually a really obvious solution that I should have thought of. Uh, but that was the only slight bit of friction for the game itself. For the most part, particularly the opening couple of hours I spent with it, it's just mesmerizing, just just like totally mesmerizing to be scanning through um, video and, and jumping across decades and characters and people and not really like trying to follow the story either, even yeah. just being lost in this kind of interconnected sprawl. Um, and I just, that was just an absolute, a very dreamlike experience and kind of like nothing else, you know. The, his previous two games have, you know, involved, um, you know, various forms of, of kind of typing in keywords and, and stuff like that. And that makes it more of a kind of um, analog feel to it uh, or more of a kind of, or maybe, maybe I mean a more of a digital feel to it, you know, it's hmm. kind of typing in code. Whereas this, it feels much more Lynchian, much more dreamlike, you know, much more like you're caught in the magic of something um, rather than sort of interacting with a, a, an interface. Um, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> That's a fantastic story, Jamie. Like, um, I, I can't think of much to add to that explanation without spoiling anything. And I think this is definitely a game we're going to revisit on the Great and Crowbar to actually probably get stuck into everything that it's doing. Um, but it's such a kind of precious thing to... It's like I, I went to see Nope this week and I didn't know anything about it. And I was delighted. And it feels as though this should be the video game experience equivalent where you go in, you don't really know what it's about beyond the kind of top layer of, hey, it's about some films and you're looking at film footage. Um, it The game drops you in the in the ocean, basically, at the very start. of it, it doesn't really say anything. It gives you kind of the APCs of how to like scroll through footage. Um, but I think presentationally, the way it kind of way the music picks up while you're kind of flicking between uh, different scenes that you might want to watch, rewind, slow down, pause, click on faces, click on objects, that kind of thing to try and get those connections uh, feels really dramatic. And when you click on someone's face, it zooms in and then zooms out again on a different clip. And it feels as though it's it's just, uh, it's fantastically presented. Uh, and what, one of the things I really admire about some Barlow's games is that they are so even though like structurally they're they're quite difficult to get into in a way in the sense that with immortality in particular i've just been going through all of these different streams and i've got loads of ideas i've, had, I've got my, a notebook by my desk within arm's reach right now where i've been making notes about things and people timelines uh relationships you know all of that stuff uh and it's the game that a game that invites that type of investigative kind of thought process beyond what the game is, which is what, exactly what I had with her story as well. Um, but the fact that it's kind of 
gone away from the Google interface, which is already a very access, accessible way uh, to in, in, investigate the game, to this just like clicking on things that you find interesting in a scene, rewinding, pausing, and having that sort of forensic sense of getting deeper into the mystery uh, is uh, has been a fascinating process. I've only played it for like uh, an hour and a half or maybe two hours. Um, and it does a lot to play with, because like, the performance is so good. There are also kind of layers of reality happening across all of the all, the, all of the various films, and sometimes they're rehearsing, and sometimes there are moments that seem real in those rehearsals, and you're not sure if they are. And then you see another scene later that might clarify that one way or the other. Like some of them are just really awkward. It's like, is this person kind of assuming too much, giving as you said, Jamie, giving too much themselves away to this process, and then later it might turn around. Um, and then there's kind of just cuts of people in parties between takes. It's a, a, a just such a fascinating, chaotic world <laughs> that all of these disparate clips portray that I can't wait to kind of get into. Um, as, uh, I feel that's all I can say at the moment without like really giving too much away, if you <laughs> well, know what I mean. It's, fu- it's funny because, you know, if you've ever, you know, if you've ever had cause to you know, work in any kind of, um, you know, form of, of media that involves video and you're watching through a, a selection of, of rushes from a, or, you know, or a, an interview or, you know, footage of anything. And like the moment before someone calls action and the mm. moments after someone calls yeah. cut. And, you know, usually what's happened is a, an editor has gone through the raw footage and has loosely, you know, taken out all the, the bollocks which is just, you know, um, camera teams flitting around and, and people having their makeup redone and, and stuff like that. But when mm. you, when you, there's always just a little bit of that, um, because you kind of have to, you know, often when the clapperboard goes, there is someone who needs to run on and sort something out or, you know, spray down the actress so she's properly, uh, you know, moist for, uh, you know, the, the party scene or whatever. And this is a game which gamifies that stuff. Mm. It, it gamifies the, the the loose ends that you see um, uh, from from scrubbing free footage, <laughs> and uh, I, I just think that's a, a wonderful way of, of of kind of taking something that's normally a fascinating. It can often be quite fascinating to look through this stuff because you'll hear the director say something, and or you'll you'll see the actor the moment after they call cut. Um, you know, their face will drop or something like that. And you're like, oh, what's going on there? And to kind of build a game out of those moments is just so clever. <laughs> it's so clever. And, and it, 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 it speaks to, you know, we're kind of, we can't help but be fascinated by actors, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we're supposed to be interested in actors purely as performers, um, purely as the people they portray. And when we talk about actors, we strive to talk about them purely as performers. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on on Twitter at the moment about um, Harry Styles and Chris yeah, Pine and, and all this kind of stuff, which which is, is fine and, and well and good, and I do not judge that discourse. But we like to think, and maybe like snooty snobs like me like to think that we're above um, making a soap opera out of the external lives of, of performers that we see on screen but of course we're absolutely not we're fascinated mm. by actors they we're fascinated by what happens to them off screen um by their relationships by their sex lives by their you know is tom hanks really an avuncular lovely jolly guy or is <laughs> right. he a, is he a serene psychopath um, 
because as the uh, as the uh, tool lyric goes, you know, um, all you know about me is what I've sold you. And uh, mm. I always thought that's very, very pertinent to these times. And so this game, which like lives in that space and and exploits that space to its fullest extent and, and, and kind of makes that into its its sort of central thesis is just it's just really original. You know, I've barely seen that dealt with in film itself. And, you know, Sam Barlow said something recently on Twitter about like his idea was to try and fuse the dominant uh you know artistic um medium of the the 20th century which is film with what he presumes to be will be the dominant artistic medium of the 21st which is video games which i think is right i I can't imagine he's wrong about that it feels it feels like that's the way things are going and i think with something like immortality it's just really exciting to see that actually there are places to go with with um live action and games because for the longest time, it felt like a dead end, I think. It felt like something people tried to do. And because they were trying to sort of import what was great about movies into video games, they almost always failed, you know, David Cage style. Um, and I think, you know, and there's always been a lot of very shitty FMV games and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, so I just think it's very exciting to see that Sam Barlow is... Um, you know, changing that round and, and opening the door for you know a lot more stuff. Um, and you know, personally speaking, I'm a I'm a TV writer who's obsessed with games, and I just think, oh, maybe this will open up some opportunities in future for this stuff to be more widespread. I, I should say the game is going to be out on uh, Immortality is going to be on Netflix. Um, they're going to release it on that platform. I don't quite know how, but I think if that goes well, then you know, whatever happens next from Sam Barlow and his ilk will be uh, really interesting and could be, you know, a big deal for for the way thing, these things look in the future. Yeah, it really could be a breakthrough moment for this type of uh, fusion of, of, of drama and uh, interactive drama, particularly. Uh, uh, yeah, particularly- I know so many people who um, play this game with their partners. Like I'm on a WhatsApp yeah. group with a couple of role-playing group, uh, you know, role-playing groups that I'm in. And I mentioned this game and people were like, oh, is that the new Sam Barlow game? I can't wait to get my, you know, me and my girlfriend's, you know, that's some one of our best experiences is, is sitting together on a, you know, on that's, the sofa. That's so good though. That's like awesome. This. Yeah. That's awesome. It's awesome. Um, I've been loving it so far. Um, my main sort of like emotional reaction to it is just kind of awkwardness because sometimes it feels as though you're looking at things that shouldn't be seen which is that idea of that's the stuff that gets cut out and um the power relations but power relations between different characters uh, sometimes sort of going a bit too far it's like oh yeah um we all return to this uh jamie i really hope you're right i think i hope that this spawns an endless genre of uh not copycats but things that are inspired uh by this that because it's the format that just is so appealing to just anyone you walk up to the street and you want to say hey do you want to interact with this film thing and sort of make decisions and figure out what's going on. I just think that's just such a, such a, such a wide appeal to that. And the way that immortality is presented, you just click on people's faces and you click on things in the environment and then you learn stuff. And you rewind. When everyone has that, when everyone's, when anyone ever sees Blade Runner, right. And he's got mm. that machine. Oh yeah, he's exactly right. Yeah. He yeah. can, he can look at something and enhance it and look Zoom at Zoom and enhance. Yeah. And look at a different angle than the one that, you know, which which everyone talks about is just like, well, that's that's clearly impossible, but it speaks to a fascination, you know, it speaks to an idea of, like, the images that we're shown, the, the desire to step inside them and look around from, from different angles, and 
you know, again, that's something video games have kind of been attempting from the start, you know, uh, to kind of give you the freedom to an ex- to explore a fictional world. But yeah, like I say, I think I think uh, immortality is a is a real um, leap forward. Um, uh, I think one of my favorite things about this format in particular is that it does, um, as opposed to watching a movie passively or watching a tele series, is that it puts a, a a cognitive load or a cognitive responsibility onto the viewer to actually process things and to think things through and to actually engage with the relationships on screen and to engage with the themes uh, to the extent that they actually have to make decisions after engaging with that to further their understanding. And I think that's where this could actually move things along a lot. And I think that's what San Barlow stuff does is that it basically says, you can't move forwards unless you've thought about this. Um, you can't find the next thing or make the conclusions that you feel like you need to make to solve whatever mystery this is without engaging with what's been said and what's been, what you've been, what you've seen, rewinding it, analyzing it, really thinking about it. And I think that's just, that's, I think I really like that about this, to be honest. Yeah. And I think, I think you're absolutely right that that is, that is what makes it feel so tactile and real. Whereas, you know, something like um, David Cage or, you know, the Dark Pictures anthology, the Quarry, those games, where they basically say, like, this is going to happen. You're on a roller coaster here. And whatever, either you make decisions or you don't, and we'll account for that. But it's going to move forwards. Um, and and you have to kind of be ready for it when it moves and when it changes. Whereas with this, it's like this moves at its own pace. There's vast amounts of content that you don't have to go looking for if you don't want to. We want you to unify the story in your head and then see if you can make that reflected in the in the game, you know, and, and, and that becomes a much more mysterious um, um, process and actually a much more uh, free feeling process rather than, you know, those, uh, you know, the, the Dark Pictures games or The Quarry or Until Dawn where I think I always struggle with them because I just feel like, well, I don't really have any choice. This is just... This is just a, a roller coaster with with slightly with a couple of different tracks I can choose. Whereas being able to come at a story from forwards, backwards, any angle you like, is uh, is is much more. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a much more uh, emotional, bodily, you know, erotic experience. Uh, you know, rather than you know just sort of being yeah. marched through a through a horror movie <laughs> yeah you, you if you're getting if you're progressing in the game you you can't not be involved in the emotions and the ideas that are happening in, in the thing uh with with this format for immortality and for her story um the only reason you're continuing is, is because you care and the reason you care is because there is a good mystery at the heart of this and there's kind of like a a good conversation between yourself and the game that's happening in this format that doesn't happen in those games uh, and I, I really enjoy the kind of Until Dawn stuff, playing um, with my partner. And like we have like, uh, it's, it's a good laugh, but we're not like emotionally engaging. Like it, it's, a, it's a shallow laugh, if you know what I mean. Like it's a shallow kind of experience. It's really good fun, light touch, um, a good kind of, I don't know, like Sunday night thing to do. Whereas this is kind of so much more thorny, like with this kind of idea of like delving into an uh a more abstracted mystery, an ambiguous mystery that where you don't even quite know what the end point is. There are no levels to complete. There's no sort of end point that's apparent. 
you just have to watch stuff and engage with it. And that sort of challenge to the person playing the game is uh, kind of what makes this stuff a bit special, I think. There's also the challenge it puts to you of that of the kind of question where you're like, why are you playing this? Yeah. You know, why are yeah. you scrubbing backwards and forwards through um, footage of a, a woman sitting staring at her own reflection in a mirror? <laughs> hmm. Why are you scrubbing backwards and forwards of this rehearsal of a, a sex scene where one actor takes it too far and the other one feels uncomfortable? Hmm. Um, you know, it, it does that in a way that is troubling but not hectoring, um, hmm. that, yeah. that questions you and challenges you without making you feel like a perv. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> And I just, yeah, that's, it's, it's really something. It's very Lynchian. And, uh, I think actually one of the writers on it is someone who's worked with David Lynch. I think he's one of the people who wrote something like Lost Highway and, uh, mm. and co-writes with him on, on some of those projects. And it has a lot of that, um, DNA in it. Yeah. So, uh, I totally recommend it. Yeah. I, I think we can't say any more of that. Um, nope. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll re- revisit and kind of get back stuck into this because it's so good. Um, but actually to move on to, uh, a frivolous, but also a game I've greatly enjoyed that I know that you've been playing recently, Jamie, uh, Spider-Man. Oh man, Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man. Um, yeah, I just, I, it was my birthday recently and I, I, I don't normally buy a triple A game. I usually buy like one triple a game at full price every year because they're yeah. so expensive yeah i'd already done that with elden ring this year but um it was my birthday and spider-man had just come out and people said it ran really well on the uh, steam deck which it does um and so i i snapped that up and, and, and got going on it i mean what a joy that game is i i've been out of business with like your insomniac games uncharted style you know character driven action you know, first party type game for a long time. And it's such a beautiful way to come back to it, I think. Um, it's a really exquisitely put together experience. It's well written. Um, it's, it's clever in how it's structured in, in how it gives you a kind of world that's sort of already in motion. It's sort of in media res where some things have already happened and other things haven't. Um, and just the most glorious um, traversal of any open world game ever. I mean, it's just it's just peerless. I mean, once you get the hang of it, you feel like you're flying. And in fact, it's better than flying because it's uh, it's web slinging, which is like flying but with, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's that? What's the word uh, I'm looking for? With um, velocity and and uh, g force and and all that sort of stuff. It's yeah, wonderful. There's... There's a degree of friction. So web slinging is so. Um, I've played this game through twice over, like once on PS4 and on PS5 again, because I've, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. I love Spider-Man as a character. Um, I think a lot of the writing does lots to serve that character in the sense that Spider-Man is about community, uh, and that's the thing that often gets kind of lost in the big uh, blockbuster Marvel stuff is that he's basically look at he's the friendly neighborhood spider-man like he's looking after his neighborhood a thing that matt fractions great run on hawkeye also recognized where he made hawkeye into a guy who just looked after his block of flats and all of his friends and people that he likes that he lives with uh and in addition to that you've got this ability to jump off a building just press like the right trigger and have this incredible a sense of like acceleration towards the ground like just falling actually literally really sort of like 
bottom drops falling kind of feeling and then at the very last minute just rescuing it and then riding the curve letting go of the button the right moment to get that extra kind of height boost you can press buttons to spin in different ways and then just get the swinging the swing going again um you can sort of like drop and then web sling onto a lamppost and boost off it there's so many just like incredible mechanics traversal mechanics in this game uh and i i after playing through it twice it's never gotten old it's it's just some of the best stuff yeah, you get so, uh, there's so many people on the Discord uh, when I was talking about it who were like, "Oh yeah, I 100 percent in that game," and like, no one ever says that about any game. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know people, yeah. especially open world game. No one's ever 100 percent size. You know, it's far it takes far too much time usually. But and the reason is it has to be that it's just so much fun to get to the different activities. Yeah, that's completely right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what's your kind of like? Uh, how do you know Spider-Man, Jamie? Like, it's a, uh, what, did you play this because you like Spider-Man or did you play it because you heard it was good? I just wonder how you sort of like got into the game. Uh, I've had, always had lots of dreams about being Spider-Man. You know, like I had a dream about being Spider-Man and you're like, oh yeah, I, I won the dream lottery. I'm dreaming <laughs> about being Spider-Man. It's just the most fun thing to have. Yeah. And just, and I just mean the web singing. I, I like, I, I, I was always X-Men. X-Men's my number one kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, I used to watch the, the cartoon. Me too. Um, yeah, which I which I enjoyed. I I liked that it was um, the guy who played Greg Brady in the '90s Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> you know, the sort of funny <laughs> one who did the voice of um, a Spider Man. He's always seemed. I don't know. Like the thing is with Spider Man is that he's he's a kind of nice guy. Uh, he's a he's a yeah. nice guy with a sense of humor who is also a superhero. And that always slightly pushed me away from him because he's he's been that kind of... There was that trailer that came out recently for that video game, Forspoken, which everyone was taking the piss out of, quite mm. rightly so, because it was very weed-y. You know, it was like, okay, yeah. so I guess, I'm a, I guess I'm a superhero now and I guess I'm doing this. But the thing is, Spider-Man has been that for a long time. Like, to be a kind of um, irreverent whippersnapper kind of guy who occasionally... Um, encounters consequence, but for the most part is, you know, wisecracking his way through a slight disaster of a life, uh, amiably. That had never been quite the same draw to me as, like, when I was a teenager, like X-Men, where it had this kind of, like, a really heavy, you know, sort of theme of, like, prejudice and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, saying that, I think Spider-Man 2 is the best superhero movie. <laughs> yeah, I, can't think I, of, I, I can't think of a better one. Um, I love it. And oh, this should... game borrows from all the, the best bits of that movie, I think. It does. Um, oh, gosh. We should do a sort of watch along with Spider-Man 2, Jamie, because... Oh, I love Spider-Man I love 2. it, too. It's so... <laughs> it's exactly the right level of camp. Like It's just spot on. And um, Melina is just so good. It's uh, a very just exhausted, yeah. <laughs> tired <laughs> Dr. Octopus. And I think... Um, I think what the game does is it knows where to borrow from. Mm. So like I would say that the MJ in this game is more or less lifted entirely from the Raimi movies. And that's a really good choice because she ends up being exactly the same sort of soulful, interesting, playful character that she is um, there, you know, with that sort of that sense of, of being in love with Peter Parker, but that being such a fucking, that being a real drag, <laughs> you know, to, to be with him, you know, um, and uh, you, you know, I, I thought that was a really good choice, and and um, I think whoever wrote this game, whoever put it together, whoever put together the narrative, 
they they must have just thought really long and hard about what they would take from established canon, what they would discard, like what they would essentially lift from the movies, what they would not do. You know, the words with great power come great responsibility never appear in the game. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. It takes bold leaps with what happens to, to the fate of some of the characters in it, which, you know, again, um, I think is, is really, is really smart and, you know, made me cry at one point, <laughs> which I wasn't expecting. It's like a strangely emotionally vulnerable game as well. Like, I just, I flew through the campaign. Um, one thing I would say about it actually is that it's really good at structuring itself around your desire to play it. So you can race through the story. Um, and what, and, you know, I found myself kind of like playing through a bunch of the story in a row, doing a bunch of the story missions, like, so covering big chunks of the game at once and then spending ages doing, you know, like fucking around, um, doing side missions and side content and stuff like that. And then I, and then playing through like almost the entirety of the game and then stopping as well. And the way the game supports that is just, it, it feels really it's sort of frictionless, really. It, it, it's, it's not like one of those open world games where the, where, um, the sort of story content and the side content feel like at odds to each other. It all kind of combines into this narrative, which is forward moving and the, you know, the city is changing around you as you go. But it still gives you time and space to express yourself and have fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things about it actually is, um, through like a narrative perspective, is that, um, so Spider Man in this one has uh, a good friend again, not wanting to spoil anything, but, um, they have kind of hidden caches around the city. And then whenever you pick one up, and it, it could just be like a school project they did together or something like that. And I always, always tapped triangle or whatever it was to actually see the description because i i because it was always a nice little bit of character info that made me feel like more invested in the game and that is so so rare because i'm the most impatient (laughs) player uh that i it's just ordinarily i would not care like i would get them if if it was xp or something like that to level up my character but i think part of it is my investment in spider-man as a character um, since being a kid, but also I do think there's actually just—I never read anything that didn't feel in tone for the game. Uh, so everything was kind of pointing the right in the same direction in terms of uh, uh, Spider-Man's relationship. So those little caches that you pick up uh, is a really important relationship with the game, and you pick up their sort of like projects and little things that they hid, and it gives you an insight into their sort of teenage lives which I found very, very relatable. Like, just kind of uh, bugging off to go and do something fun and go to the cinema and then just go to the park or whatever. It's really, really silly stuff like that. I don't know. I I was kind of, like, rambling a bit, but did you feel that, Jamie? Like, is that a thing that kind of came across? I did, and I I, I think one of the cleverest decisions the game made, and I mentioned it earlier, is, is to start you in the middle of a story or in the middle of a Spider-Man storyline. It's like you've picked up issue 80 of a, of a run of Spider-Man and just started reading, or maybe issue 40 is, is a better number, like a good distance in where a bunch of stuff has happened. Um, but you know, you've still got plenty of space, you know, left. And that was always actually my experience with comics. Like 
you could never be until recently where you could probably like get a torrent of every uncanny ish you know uncanny x-men since the 1970s um but you know that's only been possible recently of course there's a marvel app you can definitely do it legally as well um uh but like until then like you always just had to kind of guess from context clues like who people were and and, um, what they were doing. And, you know, they were always pretty good, particularly Marvel, uh, like, you know, giving you a little asterisk and saying, that's what this guy is and that's what he's referring to. And actually it can make the experience feel, you know, more real and more full because, you know, it just feels like, oh, well, I've just just met this character and I'll uh, eventually learn about their backstory through other means, you know. And, And you get things that live in the mythology. I've never read the issue where Gwen Stacy uh, dies, uh, spoiler for something that happened in the 70s. Um, but I know it happens and I know it's an event. And when Gwen Stacy gets resurrected in the comics or whatever, I know who she is. And I think the game kind of draws from that as well as being confident enough to draw from recent media versions of the game. Uh, of, uh, sorry, versions of Spider-Man and kind of cherry picking the best bits. And I think that sense of a lived in universe that has already been happening for quite a long time and there's already villains and there's already MJ and there is a history that Peter's had with everyone you encounter that just, it just, it means you don't have to deal with any of the like origin story bullshit or getting to know you bullshit. You know, the game assumes, you know, who Dr. Octopus is. If you don't, well, it's fine. You'll, you'll find out, but you know, you almost certainly do if you're playing a a Spider-Man game and actually the game is then able to sort of play with your expectations about what that means. Um, and I just, I just, I, 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 I keep saying it, but I just think it's so clever to have done that. They could have so easily not done that <laughs> and done a kind of prosaic, um, you know, schlep through, um, you know, this does have a stat, a Spider-Man storyline at its heart. You know, the, the central story and the central mystery to be unfolved isn't that interesting. It's not that original or new. Um, but I think that is on purpose because I think they want to tell a kind of, you know, broad, um, kind of easy to enjoy and follow story that they can hang nuance around, <laughs> like cobwebs, um, rather than, you know, feeling like they have to do The Last of Us 2 or uh, <laughs> Gosh, you know, yeah. kind of go into the, like, it's never a game that goes like, who is who is Spider-Man really? You know how like the uh, Batman Arkham games, they got really hung up on asking who Batman was. Yeah. Like, please stop asking who Batman was. <laughs> we know who Batman is. <laughs> like, he's a crazy guy who dresses up as a bat and exercises his trauma on people through fascism. We got it. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> um, Spider-Man, you know, we, we know who he is. Let's not do that. Let's, let's like, let's like prod his... Um, uh, you know his uh, his values and and his relationships and well, his you know and his own sense of, of of who who he can be you know rather than like having to be like question the go, whole yeah, idea of like, a, you know you know sort of Zack Snyder what does it mean to be a god oh, yeah, type I hate, stuff, I hate that stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah we we're gonna go down a whole rabbit hole if we get into Zack Snyder's uh, depiction of Superman. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, you've really hit on something with, uh, Spider-Man. The idea is just, he's spinning lots of plates at the same time and he, d- he's not independently wealthy, like lots of like Iron Man or anyone else. He's just a, a guy trying to make everything work. And that is an infinitely, you know, everyone can empathize with that. And, uh, I feel as though this, 
the game on the script and the, the the characterization completely speaks to that. And I'm so so glad that we don't have to do the kind of I got bitten by a spider. Now I'm going through the second puberty storyline that has been just so done over and over again. Uh, and yeah, it's just um, I feel I feel like um playing that game. I sort of watched a, a good Spider-Man movie having played it. Like it, it does feel like really true to the character. I wonder like. How did you get on with like the combat and stuff? You know, uh, the, the other bits, obviously, like, combat is quite a big part of it. I think I felt there's some like difficult, difficulty spikes. It was very much based on the Arkham combat style of counter and then sort of like deploy abilities to neutralize people. Uh, lots of crowd control, lots of you know twenty enemies coming at you and having to manage that stuff. How did you find that? Yeah, I loved it. Like yeah. it's great. It's, I, it's I, Spider-Man, just... isn't it? Yeah, it's just immense fun and you do feel like Spider-Man and, you know, I think they've, you know, you've got a bunch of gadgets you can use to kind of mix things up and a bunch of unlockables and they never felt like a chore. Um, I always found in the Batman games that the, you know, the fighting loop was really good, but when it got into like, you know, adding gadgets to your um, arsenal, I always ended up just like not using them or not really knowing how to best use them. Whereas with this, like, you can basically hold R1 to bring up your like various types of web and then fire them at people. Um, and then that's that, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, and it just, again, it just wants you to have fun. Um, yeah. Je- Jamie, I, I, I killed so many people in this game. I know, <laughs> I know I, I, when I first played it, I posted a, a screenshot of um, me as Spider-Man throwing uh, a random goon off the top of a very, very tall building. And um, I was like, uh, and he had a, like, this really blank phrased expression. I was like, uh, I guess this is how I die. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, a former colleague of mine points out on, on Twitter as well that uh, if you actually watch them fall down, uh, they a spider sort of web thing activates and they glue to the side of the building. Uh, and that's a weird bit of attention to detail because they didn't, again, like you said earlier, they didn't have to do that. Uh, so the average player playing a game, you throw someone off a building, you don't think twice. But Spider-Man doesn't kill people. <laughs> well, he does occasion, very occasionally in different weird contexts. But if he th- he's not, he's, he would never just throw someone off a building. He just would never do that. And they've coded, they've coded this thing in. That there's a custom animation for it that just glues them. And you can uh, go down to street level and look up, and they're still there. Like you can see them sort of glued to the side, and oh, the police will pick them up later. I think that's sort of just a crazy, really, really good attention to the character and what those things mean. Um, That it'd be so easy to just have Spider Man (laughs) punching people into the sun, having them catch fire or and die in various horrible ways. But actually, one of my my most effective tactic during the game was just gluing people to walls. Or trucks, because um, you can mash the R1 button to do the web thing and uh, you glue them to the side. Um, and th- they have animations for those people still being conscious and, you know, alive and obviously distressed <laughs> due to the fact they're stuck to a truck by uh, this weird, disgusting spider web. But fundamentally, just there's a kind of humanity to the game that I think is actually quite well observed in the way that the Batman games, for example, which actually is suitable for Batman because he is quite a brutal character. Didn't have, like, you do straight up just, like, brutalise people in Batman to the extent that you, you think they're dead. 
Yeah, and I and like you know, it's it, it's to the theme. It's to like you know who Spider Man is. Whereas with Batman, you know, everyone's talked about this, but like, so if Batman punches you in the head, <laughs> there's a, like a seventy percent chance you're going to die. Yeah, not great. Uh, it's not great for your brain. Whereas no, no, Spider Man has sticky stuff that is both sticky and strong uh, <laughs> that he can stick you to a wall with, um, and that is just a better time all round, really. <laughs> Um, yeah, the great time sense. all around. It makes much more sense. Like the, the last Batman Arkham game, where like they they wanted to have the Batmobile, but obviously you couldn't run people over. Yeah, and solving that problem like led to this like absolutely atrocious tank system, which just kind of you know almost ruins you know what's what is basically a good game. Um, you know they don't have to worry about that here because he's just got sticky goop <laughs> that he can. You can slime people with. Is this the safe type of punching? And it's the safe, the safest fireball. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So Spider Man is great. Um, how, so you said it, it runs great on your um, Steam Deck. Yeah, beautifully. Actually, they like someone somewhere has really put the hours in on making it a, a really nifty, like fun Steam Deck experience. It, it runs, it runs beautifully. Um, and you know it's 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 kind of a fun thing to hold in your hands, you know, because uh, yeah, you know all the sort of um, vibrations and stuff like that are perfectly tuned as well. So you can kind nice. of nice. That's fantastic. Um, I mean, I turned the gyro off because that was kind of driving me crazy. I've, I've never been a, a gyro boy. I can't. I can't get a, a yeah. I can't do that either. Those controls, but no. And I'm looking forward to. I think they're going to bring out the Miles Morales uh, DLC as well, which I'm fantastic. Really forward, forward I've to. completed that, and it's great, Jamie. I think you'll really enjoy it. I can't wait. I really it's like really, Miles really Morales. Yeah, Miles, Morales is fantastic. Um, and I've got all the, all the DLC to do as well, which, which oh, comes yeah. with it too. Loads uh, of bonus villains. Yeah. Um, and also, I, just, I love that um, with Into the, the Spider-Verse, I think the sequel to that film is coming out next year or the year after or something like that. Um, oh, Into the Spider-Verse is such, so good <laughs> as a spider, yeah. Spider-Man fan. It's oh, so that's I mean, I think that might be... It might it's be even better one, than Spider- Spider-Man Two. It's certainly it's close, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, really good. It's really. And really then they're good. doing a they're doing a Insomniac are doing a sequel, Spider-Man Two, which should be awesome. Absolutely. And they're also doing a Wolverine game, which just sounds like such an excellent prospect. <laughs> might be a different age rating for that one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how they they kind of work around that. But if but, they uh, can like apply the same attention to detail to like, yeah, 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 slashing people up with claws and. And, and being hairy and Canadian, then uh, that's uh, that's going to be very exciting indeed. This could be fantastic. Oh gosh, yeah, that's a good prospect. So um, we haven't done any news in this podcast because these are like a little bit irregular, and we feel as though just like commenting on news after the fact uh, is kind of a bit pointless. Uh, so basically, if we'd like to kind of, if you have any questions or kind of things that you've been playing and have ideas about uh, impressions of games and stuff like that. We're still looking for people to kind of like email in and we can perhaps chat about that stuff. We still don't have like a proper format for questions from questions as we had before, but uh, that would be really cool. Uh, Tom, I hear you're more machine than man now. Oh yeah. Good point. So I am more machine than man. I'm bionic, Jamie. I, I am <laughs> actually a bionic man now. Uh, and do you want to know how it happened? I more than anything, more than so, you will ever understand. So, um, the reason why I haven't been on the podcast for many months is that 
basically I fell over and in a sort of like freak way landed exactly on my shoulder and it snapped <laughs> and that it was like a clean break top of the arm right under the socket when it happened I thought it had been dislocated I uh so uh I sort of like put in a warning so just describing like I so I got injured I got injured uh it was a bad tackle and then it took me ages to like recover from it but I wanted to tell the story of basically the recovery uh so Jamie what questions do you have about it <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> stupid it's really stupid so uh where did you where did this injury occur um so it was approximately 20 feet away from my flat um uh, stepping up to uh, a high crooked bath curb and yeah. what happened then i was carrying some shopping i've just been to the cinema i've been seen uh been to see the um, doctor strange film the new one this year which i, I did enjoy uh and then instantly forgot all the details of because what happened then was I slipped backwards and landed under the exact point of my back right shoulder uh, to massively crack it. And it was in the middle of the road in traffic that was kind of ready to go. So it was a bad situation right then. And then you, weren't away, you weren't able to bend reality around yourself, uh, uh, Doctor Strange style, in order to redirect traffic and and teleport yourself to hospital. I made some wild gestures with my hands to sort of like summon the the sparkling rings and all that. Did not work. Landed. Something happened. And it was one of those kind of like just lancing feelings of, well, there was pain and stuff, but actually when, because I've like uh, cracked my wrist before when I was a kid as well, there's a moment where like there's a deep feeling that something has gone wrong when this happens. Uh, so when something is actually broken and you're kind of like, it's not just hurt. It's not just like bruised or cuts or whatever. Something's actually cracked. There's a deep feeling of wrongness <laughs> that oh, comes man. over you. Yeah. Um, and what happens was, uh, so I was like, Oh gosh. Um, I dropped my shopping. It was all over the place. I sort of like stumbled up, got onto the curb. It was kind of like, it's sort of like a crooked, two foot tall curb yeah which they is, make them high in bath don't they? The, the, yeah because like it's bath is just hills and they didn't build the like pavements according to the hills the, the pavements run on their own logic that's just <laughs> different from reality um yeah. and the, the most story thing about this is that i've had to tell this story over and over again and it's just a deeply boring way to get injured like if I'd have been attacked by a bear or sort of like fought off a wolf or something, great. One of them bath, one of them bath bears. One of those famous bath bears, uh, or you know, probably the one that's been uh, eating all the right foots of people and leaving them in parks, which is that's kind of a deep cut for creating crowbarlists. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, what happened was then. Uh, so, you, so you wake you wake up and there's a cyborg Keanu Reeves standing over you, and he reaches out his hand out to you and says. Uh, come with me and I will make you... And I'll make you... Well, uh, do you want to start a rebellion and overthrow <laughs> the government? Uh, it's kind of what Keanu Reeves would say. Uh, yeah, so uh, fellow there, like, a couple, but amazingly, two uh, two people came out of two cars from behind who worked for the NHS and were on the way to their surgeries. 
and they just like came up and like, uh, yep, yeah, yeah, definitely injured. Uh, we'll just get you to the hospital, etc. And uh, I thought it dislocated because it felt really wrong. You know, just everything was out of place. Yeah. Uh, went to hospital. They're like, yep, yeah, it's it's really quite broken, uh, but like it's a really clean snap. Uh, so they had to get a metal plate in, which is why I'm now bionic and therefore yeah. more powerful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, than ever before, and Absolutely. it was a it was a interesting experience where um, we could probably cut some of this stuff out. It was too boring. Uh, it's fascinating. <laughs> uh, so um, I've been hospital a few times before. Obviously, it's not pleasant for anyone. Uh, but I got in very start of the day surgery schedule for like you know uh, as soon as possible. Um, after an hour. I had a meeting with the like uh, the person running the anaesthetic and doing the kind of all of the important chemical stuff to make sure that I wasn't feeling pain. And he said, "Okay, so uh, the first thing we're going to do just before you go to surgery is so we're going to give you an, um, an injection in the neck uh, just to sort of numb things down. Then we're going to check that they're numb, and then we'll apply the anaesthetic." So, and uh, I froze at the very start of what he said. Uh, I froze an injection in the neck. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I, I I don't want that to happen. Uh, and then for the next sort of six hours, like it was delayed and delayed, of course, because like it's just so overloaded. Um, very grateful to be able to get in the time I did. Um, but I was like, I started so panicky about this, like, uh, what's that going to feel like? Like, I don't like what? Um, and then I was in like an absolute sort of hyper state when I actually got to theater and they were like, Oh, don't worry about it. We're just going to give you loads of good drugs and you're not going to worry about it. And I was like, Are you sure. <laughs> I'm really worried about the next thing. That's going to be kind of, that's going to sound kind of rough. Um, and they're like, yeah, don't worry. We'll just, we'll just kind of like a cannula in your hand. We'll just put some stuff in. And you'll just feel very relaxed. It'll be fine. Um, and so went to theatre, still worrying about it. Uh, got some oxygen, got the stuff put in. And then everything sort of like started to go cool. So I was trying at the time to remember as much as I could of the moment. Uh, and um, I was looking up and there were uh, there's a huge light rig three kind of big circular uh, kind of mounts on a giant lever that comes over you and uh, each of these three had three kind of like giant bulbs or just giant sort of LED lights basically um, and I was sort of like after about 10 minutes I was sort of looking around and looking up and I, I thought like very vividly oh that's a cool lighting rig. I wonder how many, I wonder how many monitors I could put. <laughs> I wonder how many monitors I could put on that. And then at that moment, it was like some sort of other voice in my brain came in and said, "Tom, you're fine. You're stoned as fuck." It's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like the injection happened in the neck and all that stuff. Like it was basically um, it was a uh, um, a nerve blocker to so make sure that part of the arm is basically numb so they could do the stuff. And it was uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, it was kind of like uncomfortable, but I was looking away. I was just thinking, hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> but when I say that's interesting, th- there was no subject. Uh, 
nothing was interesting in particular. <laughs> like, there was no, like, I wasn't thinking of anything. I was like, oh. uh, and so after that, uh, quite quickly, everything went black and there was a sudden time skip, like bosh. And then I'd wake up and, um, <laughs> this is, uh, kind of embarrassing, but, I woke up in a ward with like loads of other people who was obviously recovering from operations. Um, and I sort of like popped my head up and out of some weird kind of childhood instinct, I put my hand up. Oh, I was like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> oh. And I was like, oh, and then someone came over, a guy came over and he was hilarious. He was really fun. Uh, and I was like, hello, has it happened? And it was like, what do you mean? What has it happened? Like, has the, has the operation, is it all, done and he's like yeah uh are you all right and he's like yeah i'm fine and then he's like okay he said all right i'm just going to give you loads of drugs now it's pretty much what he <laughs> said um and it, <laughs> um it, and he was just like i'm just going to give you this and this and this and then you're going to have a good time for about six hours i was like thumbs up i can't really talk properly but yes that sounds great uh, and it uh, Jamie, it was great. It was very, very good. Um, uh, on the, I was weird on the way out, uh, back to the bed. I was in the corridor, and uh, I very vividly remember saying, "Oh, I like this bit," <laughs> out loud. Out <laughs> loud, Which is just absolute. Just oh, I don't know. I, I can't even feel embarrassed about it, really. Um, and then. Uh, Emma was really concerned, so she like she talked to the the guy who gave me all the drugs, and he was like, "Ah, don't worry, I fucked him right up." <laughs> not in <laughs> not in so many words, but he basically said, "Ah, uh, yeah, just don't worry about him. He's, he'll be fine <laughs> for ages." Like a, like a doctor feel good, man. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely, yeah, exactly right. Uh, and then uh, yeah, and then basically after that, it was just sort of it, it hurt for a bit, and now I'm sort of trying to get the motion back. It's all great. Um, doing some weights training and stuff like that to physio stuff uh, so it all turned out well in the end but it was just kind of a a, a wild thing to happen really uh i don't know <laughs> i don't know if that story was fun i don't know i'm, I'm fascinated by it I like, <laughs> I like the idea of like a, an injection in the neck going from uh, uh you know something that feels terrifying and urgent and physical to something that is just the sort of trifling uh, yeah, in that's, of, me, of mere mortals <laughs> just kind of, I've reached beyond that plane of existence now and I'm simply tripping the light fantastic yeah it's, it, I don't even know what they gave me like I don't even know what it was I should ask really because I'm just curious like it, it was um like it was very much I mean, it was still happening I was still present but it was the sense that there were other things I wanted to think about more <laughs> and I can't remember what those things were. It might have been some pretty deep shit about <laughs> yeah. God and the universe for you anything know anyone knows. L. Ron Hubbard, right? The <laughs> Scientology. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he got that way, or at least he probably was that way already. But like, um, when he was like a young man, he had he went to the dentist, and the dentist gave him a bunch of drugs to. Oh, I probably to, liked cane, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And he like he had this this experience where he believed that he glimpsed the entirety of existence, like the truth of the of the universe. Mm. And his entire life after that point was trying to like piece together what he was shown in that moment. That's the way he explained it. 
And so maybe maybe you've you've narrowly avoided uh founding Start, a cult. starting a cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or maybe maybe it's still there. Maybe you just need to like Oh maybe it's a kernel I need to unlock, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. my so- I should stop playing the lottery and start unlocking the secrets of my weird sort of uh bizarre pre neck injection dream. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, and truly find out what shit's going on. Well, I can't say that I did have any insights into anything during the <laughs> whole process, to be honest. Um, yeah. It's just that, uh, uh, yeah, God bless the NHS, and everything turned out fine. And now I'm just delighted to be back and having a chat here and doing podcasting again. Getting, are you getting, able to? Talking. Are you able to paint your little men? Uh, I, just as of this week, yes. Oh. Uh, I'm painting lots of little rat guys. Um, lots of uh, I've got a, a big box of Skaven. Which are the kind of uh, just kind of a horde of amazing, incredible rat beasts and their in, incredibly horrible contraptions, uh, which I'm uh, enjoying painting at the moment. Um, so I'm having a great time with that. And uh, I'm on holiday as of like Monday for a couple of weeks. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll post some stuff on Instagram. I know we've got uh, on the Quaint Crowbar Discord channel, we've got uh, Mitch's. Uh, scene there as well which if you're into that sort of thing you should definitely check out because those folks are awesome um so yeah I, I, i'll I'd like to post some stuff in there and get back back get get back into everything it's 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 just like it's weirdly debilitating breaking your shoulder because i couldn't even type for um, like ages uh or paint or play music or, or do anything uh but now it's kind of all coming back feels good good well, I'm, we're, we're glad to have you back. <laughs> hey, well, I think that's probably everything we wanted to talk about today. Um, yes. So I can't even remember how to brand off this podcast because I've not done it for so long. Uh, but you can uh, contact us via email if you have any questions or ideas or just just want to say anything, uh, yeah, have opinions really. Uh, questions at creatingcrowbar.com. Uh, you can find us at creatingcrowbar on Twitter and is there anything else oh yeah uh, you'll find links to our discord channel on creatingcrowbar.com it's a very good channel i love our discord it's awesome uh and you can also follow us uh on twitter i am at mr tom senior these days very officially uh i don't tweet very much uh but if you want to send me messages i'll definitely read them uh jamie how about you I'm uh, at Matron Boy on Twitter. I tweet a lot. I feel kind of weird about that, so <laughs> I don't know why I do it. It's a terrible site. But uh, it's quite. It's kind of if you curate it right, I think it's fine. But yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what you mean. I have a very long list of muted words, and uh, <laughs> yes. every time I ever post something political, I immediately delete it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> less the eye of Sauron uh, is drawn to me. By, uh, yeah. Uh, you never know right <laughs> and with that uh, I've really enjoyed this Jamie thank you so much thank uh, you for having me and uh, with that I'll say thanks for listening everybody and uh, see you next time